Welcome to the TV Deets Podcast. My name is Brett and I'm the guy behind the blog. An extension of tvdeets.com, join us for a brand new episode each week as we break down the latest unscripted news and ratings and share exclusive piping hot tea on all of your favorite reality shows. Now, let's get into it. and welcome to the TV Deets podcast. On this week's episode, I share my final thoughts on The Real Housewives of Atlanta and offer up my suggestions for season 16. Plus, Caitlyn Jenner is ready to expose the Kardashians again, and NBC hypes up the Peacock ratings for The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City's season 4 premiere. Oh, and I've watched the first few episodes of the new season of Sister Wives, and I need to talk to you about it. All this and more coming up in the next hour of the TV Deets podcast. Well, we have made it to the end of another season of The Real Housewives of Atlanta, and I want to talk to you guys about it because... This season, season 15, has, you know, really divided fans, I feel like. I don't know if it's just social media and I'm online too much, in the Bravo uh, fan pages too much or what, Um, but season 15 has just been really almost controversial with fans. Now, there's basically two sides to it. If you are side A, which is the side I'm on, You think that these women are fantastic and that this season was good, maybe not great. And if you're on the other side, you think this show is horrible, the cast has got it all wrong, production is messed up left, right, and center, and Atlanta is on life support. Now, like I said, I'm part of group number one. I can't quit the Atlanta ladies. And at the end of the day, they are Bravo's number one Real Housewives show right now. So that really says a lot, and I think, you know, there's a few reasons why they get so much um, chatter from the fans and so many of these controversial opinions, Um, but at the end of the day, they're bringing it, and I want to talk to you about the final part of the reunion. Now, this aired on Sunday, we have a secrets reveal that is actually still coming up in about two days' time, so still one more episode to go of Atlanta, but you guys, this reunion... Like I said, it was like most of the season. It was good, not great. Have we seen better reunions from Atlanta? Of course. Like, these girls have delivered moment after moment, year after year. I mean, we just have so many one-liners from Nini to Kenya to Cynthia to Phaedra. Like, there's so many eras, Portia with Real Housewives of Atlanta, that this is just a new era. I'm not sure that the cast is 100% correct. I'm going to get into that, you know, towards the end of this little RHOA recap. But there are some really strong moments uh, in this reunion, and there were some really strong moments from these women. So the first thing I really noticed, I talked a little bit about it last week, was just Candy versus Sheree. And again, Sheree definitely got some advice before heading into this reunion. Like, She was told to amp it up. She was told to pump it up because she just, like, is guns blazing for Candy. And like I said, it's just come out of nowhere. And I'm not sure where that energy is coming from, but it gave Sheree, you know, her reunion moments. Like, without her confronting Candy, like, we really wouldn't have seen much from Sheree. And that's, you know, you can read that on the first page of She News. Um, Drew versus Ralph, that was absolutely so intense. Um, obviously that was the biggest part of the reunion and you know the part that Bravo was teasing in all of these promos and trailers and honestly you guys it delivered it was super super awkward I don't know whose idea it was to invite Ralph to the reunion um, but him showing up and having this 
you know attitude and basically gaslighting drew again on stage and just acting like oh i don't know why you're so upset you know we can handle this and we can be mature please like i i mentioned it last week on a previous podcast ralph definitely deserved a peach and it was so funny because in part two that's exactly what drew gave him so she had props like kenya said where are you getting all these props from (laughs) but drew was on it she was so ready for ralph and like i said i loved her passing andy that peach um you know drew is one of those interesting people she is a really great housewife because She puts it all out there, and she's half delusional. So I'm not going to lie and say that, you know, hey, Drew is the most honest, upstanding person on this couch. But Drew's entertaining you guys, in part because of that delusion. Now, when it comes to Ralph, I think that's where we see the, you know, more of that real side of Drew. Ralph is an asshole, you guys. I'm just going to be real about it. I talked about his tweets, what he's been saying online in a previous episode of this podcast, and... I can't stand him. I've said it before, you know, he used to bring I basically the eye candy to Real Housewives of Atlanta. We thought you were going to serve this purpose, Ralph, but Ralph wants that peach, like Drew said, and Ralph is coming for his own storyline and his own spotlight, and part two of the reunion was really his chance to shine. You can see just how bad of an actor he is, so when he's talking about, oh, Drew, you're acting right now okay, buddy, I guess you know what you're talking about because this little shtick that you pulled is an absolute nightmare. Like, I don't think anyone watching or anyone on that stage at all believed Ralph in what he was saying, and it's clear that he wasn't coming from a genuine, you know, point of view or perspective. Like, it was clear. He was basically trolling Drew, and I thought she handled it really well. She clapped back, and I just want to play a little clip of you, uh, for you, of Drew shutting Ralph down in all her glory. Oh, you sister. did not claim JoJo on your petition. You constantly ice me out. You constantly throw dirt on my name. And you think it's a joke. You think it's a game. And then you go and you coach your cousin, Courtney. Why would you coach somebody you just met to go against your own wife on this show? Why do you think that's okay? And you think I'm supposed to put up with that? You think I'm supposed to be okay with that? Drew, you're acting right you now. You think I'm going to be... Like, you're I'm out. You're, I'm, you're done. Not, I'm not sitting not, here doing this. You're not, you're not being serious I'm not right doing this right now. But you're not, I'm not, not going to stay here being, and take this. I don't take it. I don't take it at home. I'm not going to take it here. I'm but not. you're not being serious. I Let, refuse let's to do this. You can't even come here and do and right. No, I'm not doing this. I'm sorry. I don't care. I'm not. I'm done. I'm done. Drew, come back. Not Drew, come back. No, I don't know if it was just me, but Marlo barely said anything, but that one line here in that clip, Marlo, that that is funny. Now, like I said, Drew clapped back at Ralph and shut him down, and as you heard in that clip, and this is basically the way I viewed it at the reunion, Ralph was not able to clarify basically anything that Drew had been saying, and she even said in the clip, you know, you put Courtney up to this, that unverifiable bitch cousin of yours... And Ralph has nothing to say. He doesn't deny it. You hear that dead silence. And it it just proves that, yes, Ralph definitely was feeding Courtney information about Drew, which is so messy. And if that's the case, and I know this has been rumored online and talked about in the blogs, then you have to start looking at why that may have happened. And there are a lot of people who seem to think that Courtney and Ralph may have had a relationship in the past. They've pointed out that Courtney has lived in Tampa. We all know Ralph loves Tampa. So I don't know if this is some sort of down-home relationship and this is what you do with your cousins, but where I'm from, this is not what you do with your cousins. You do not date your cousins, and you do not bring them on a show like The Real Housewives of Atlanta to go over or go after, sorry, your actual wife. That is just messy. So It does seem to me that Drew was able to prove that receipt and Ralph had nothing to say. Now, the rest of that interaction was so funny to me. Like, again, you guys, I know this maybe wasn't the biggest, most dramatic reunion, but this awkward relationship tension, like, (laughs) I was just eating my popcorn, watching this, rooting for Drew, of course, but, you know, really taking in every minute of this because I feel like having a husband at the reunion in this manner like we have wanted to do this with so many husbands Juan Dixon I'm looking at you 
There are so many other husbands that we need to have this little one-on-one with that can just sit with the rest of the women. Like, I would love that. Just off the top of of my head, like I said, Juan Dixon, we have a few questions for you. Let's see, Beverly Hills, Mauricio, why don't you have a seat? We should bring back LVP and have her ask some questions too. (laughs) But honestly, like, production, you were on point with that segment. Now, the performance. Drew ends up giving this performance of her new song and directs it at Ralph. And again, that is just like great reality TV. A horrible moment in their relationship and something I'm sure Drew, you know, doesn't really enjoy having to have done. But in terms of TV, that was great TV. I love a reunion performance and I love a Real Housewives of Atlanta reunion performance, whether it's Candy Burris, Kim Zolciak or Drew Sedora. I love it and I want to see more. Now, like I said, this this part was heavily about Drew and Ralph, and Kenya actually stepped in for Drew while she stormed off stage and tried to, like, knock some sense into Ralph, and it was honestly one of Kenya's best moments from this reunion, so I want to play that clip for you as well. The inclination of going after her when she walked off? I did. I did. It's like the same thing that Mark did when I told him about some other housewives saying or doing something and he was like oh well you're a big girl you can handle yourself it's the same exact response like (laughs) you you side with her enemies courtney has all this ammunition against her all this stuff that she's saying she couldn't have only she could have only gotten that from you good job you have said your piece drew finish out strong you got it you got it drew You are like, you are colluding with her enemy at this point because you know that she doesn't get along with her. Actually, how it really happened is... You're supporting her, her enemies. It's not about supporting, it's not supporting, first and foremost, how we came together. Where's the loyalty? Courtney came in, my cousin. I'm talking to her. We're building our own relationship. You don't even know that woman. checking. I just feel like, you know, being that I have been in a marriage that's very somewhat similar to yours and how you respond to her, there's so many similarities in in that when, when I see you guys interact. And I'm just trying to get you to see things from a different perspective that's not coming from Drew, but someone who's lived in a situation like that. That's all. I'm not trying and to be you how long were you married? Two years. Does that matter to you how long it was? It, it does. How? Because... So now you're going to discount my feelings it's not and a, my it's experience not about, because it's not, it's not about been you. as long as yours? It's not about just discounting things. It's just that... I think that doesn't have to, anything in... to do with the behavior that I'm witnessing from you now. So wasn't Kenya on point with that conversation? She really tried to give Ralph a chance to, you know, be human and show a softer side to him and she caught him like he was already trying to give kenya those ralph digs and (laughs) she was over it and she shut him down and again the dead silence so i'm not sure what ralph's strategy was in coming to this reunion i think it was most likely just to you know patch up his reputation with real housewives viewers but again I don't think he succeeded in that. Like, sitting there, not having much to say, apparently backtracking on things you said to Drew just, like, three days ago or a couple weeks, whatever it was, before the reunion. Like, again, this is just very messy. And it would have been nice to get, like, a little Married to Medicine moment. Remember on Married to Medicine a few seasons ago when Cecil and Simone were going through their marital issues and basically they were getting divorced and... The cast, not Andy Cohen, I might add, but the cast really came together and helped Simone and Cecil see that, hey, they're better together. These issues are worth working towards or or through together. I would have loved that energy at the Real Housewives of Atlanta reunion. I'm not saying Drew needs to forgive Ralph. He came with the worst attitude. I just would have liked to have seen some resolution, and Kenya was the only person apparently on stage who was willing or able to do that. Everyone else is sitting there looking at the ground thinking, this isn't my job, and Andy Cohen, like I said, wasn't doing anything to bring them together. So I would have liked to have seen more resolution. It's sad to me that their family is splitting up in this manner, and then it's sad that they're fighting online, having all these weird interactions together. I just think they're going to regret a lot of this. 
um, in future years. But hey, again, that's why Drew makes a great real housewife. Now, there was some other funny things. Like, I really thought the end of this reunion was so funny. Basically, Andy, again, is crediting Sheree as, like, the anchor. So he's like, Sheree, end the night on a healing note. And she's like, oh, I love all of you guys. You know, I've tried to get you guys together to become a sisterhood. I'm not giving up on you guys. It's not over. I'm going to continue to push and get us back. That was me paraphrasing. But yes, the same Sheree who was on the stage saying that she tried all season to get this cast to become a sisterhood. The same Sheree that went after Drew and was unsupportive to her during her marital issues and her lawsuit. The same Sheree that went after Candy uh, basically all season, all through the reunion. And the same Sheree that is Team Marlo in that ongoing Marlo and Kenya feud. Yes, that same Sheree thinks she was trying to bring the girls together. <laughs> that is funny. Like, that is actually really funny. So, Andy Cohen, whatever you're smoking, I want some of it, because Sheree did nothing to bring these girls together. This this was the whole theme. Like, they had this uh, theme for the Portugal trip. I remember the whole excuse for them going away was, well, Sheree's been working on herself, and she was told to go on a trip and do healing activities. <laughs> it's like, just tell us she wanted a girl's trip to Portugal, you know what I mean? Because no one is believing that... Zen Sheree is is behind all of this and and wants this group to be together. This is the same Sheree, like I'm saying, that can't stop shading her cast members, whether her life depends on it. So I just thought that was funny and iconic in itself. Now this brings me to season sixteen. We've talked about it a lot on the podcast. You guys know Love B Scott is out there reporting that Bravo is rebooting the Real Housewives of Atlanta with an all new cast. I've been told, like I've said on the podcast previously, discussing this issue, that that was considered, but it is not a done deal, and nowhere near, you know, has that decision been made. And, you know, after seeing the ratings for part two, um, this episode brought in almost a million live viewers. You know, I really don't think uh, Atlanta reboot is happening. That's just my gut instinct, and that's going off of what I've been told by multiple sources, and also just my own take on the situation. So despite what you have the fans saying in terms of, you know, they want to switch up or they want everyone fired, I really don't believe it that it's that way because, like I said, the ratings almost hit a million live viewers with part two of this reunion. So people were tuning in, whether it was for Drew and Ralph, that awkward performance, or what, the Atlanta numbers did go up with part two of the reunion. Now, I've been enjoying the season, like I said to you guys, I think it was good, I don't think it was like Atlanta's best season or anything, but I do think it was very good, and so here's my take on season 16, and I believe I may have suggested this or talked about this on a podcast a couple weeks ago, we're now at like what, episode 11 or 12 of this podcast, so my bad if I don't remember uh, discussing this before or if it varies a little bit, but here is my take for season 16. I do think that the left couch earned their spots so candy kenya and drew to be honest were the only three people bringing anything to the reunion um they clearly put candy on the end to kind of send some sort of message and i think she handled it well she sat there with her arm looking amazing she looked so good in her dress with that light little bob i loved it um she worked it the whole time Kenya stepped in where Kenya needed to step in. Again, I think Kenya took a little bit of a backseat because she doesn't want to be that like true villain, that full-on villain that we've seen in seasons past. And with this group, with Courtney, she was a little bored. So do you see that a little bit in Kenya's performance, this reunion versus other reunions? Yes. But at the end of the day, she still brought a lot more than the other side of the couch. I love Miss Moore. So she has earned her spot. And then, like I said, Drew, I said it way early on in the season based on what I was hearing from my production sources. I said Drew is going to carry the back half of the season. People laughed at me when I said it. (laughs) And now you know why. Drew was the only person putting her true life out there. 
um, she spilled it all. And this is before, keep in mind, that bonus episode that with, you know, the rush to filming once Drew and Ralph had split up. Like, Drew was already the focus of the season towards the end, and then her divorce happened. So I think that Drew really brought it at this reunion. Like I said in my last podcast, she handled Courtney with ease, and I do think Drew is an entertaining housewife. So for me, Candy, Kenya, and Drew have earned their spots. Now, on the other side of the couch, Sheree is so funny, you guys. Sheree is an OG. Like she said, put, put some respect on the OG. And if you guys listen to this podcast regularly or you read tvdeats.com, you know I'm not a fan of rebooting casts or firing these veterans. Like, I agree that, you know, shows need to be updated and things like that, and casting changes can always do that. But I think The Real Housewives has just gotten into this habit of we need someone brand new every season and we need someone to leave every season so that we have something to talk about. And I honestly just don't think that has worked for the shows, and I don't think it works for their longevity um obviously nene leaks is nowhere near coming back but they've they've fumbled that bag with her and look where we are now and then even when you look at some of the other shows like the real housewives of orange county they fired tamra judge and vicky gundelson just to bring them back two years later so again i'm not a fan of firing people so sheree is she delivering like on all fronts no none of these women are but Sharae, i would say definitely carried her weight this season she was in it she like i said feuded with absolutely almost everyone Sharae's mistake is picking marlo and sonya as a team because they are such a weak team but Sharae, you've earned your spot as well so that does bring us to sonya and marlo now, I like both of these women, and I don't really have anything against them, but at this point, I just don't think it works for the story. Sonia is going to be pregnant, and I think that's amazing. Marlo has nothing really going on. Like, we're not seeing any of her businesses. Um, we saw a little bit of this charity aspect this season. I don't really see that in the off-season from her, so again, I don't really know what Marlo is bringing in terms of a full-time housewife. Um, but honestly, you guys, I do think that with the ratings being where they are and that it's so steady that honestly, I could see everyone being back in some sort of capacity. For me, it would be Candy, Kenya, uh, Drew, and Sheree as the main group. Um, but I can see them bringing back everyone. I can even see Sonya as a friend, Marlo as a friend. So who knows what they will do. It all depends, I think, on casting and if they can actually find anyone interesting but you know my thoughts on that as well. I really do question, you know, casting at this point in time with kind of the flop people they brought us in the past. And I'm just not sure that there are women who meet the criteria who actually want to be on The Real Housewives of Atlanta. So Bravo has some work to do there. But in terms of season 16, honestly, I think it would make the most sense if they went with Candy, Kenya, and Drew. Uh, Sonya and Marlo, you could even stick around as friends. Courtney. And uh, Moneta can both go. I've seen a lot of comments online that people do kind of like Courtney, I guess because she brought, you know, some sort of drama to the season. But again, in terms of like a housewife, I think Candy said it best. Like, does she have a house? You know, where does she live? Like, what's the backstory with Courtney? So unfortunately, I don't think Courtney should come back. Moneta actually has that backstory and that interesting lifestyle, but she just brought nothing of it to the season. So I don't know how many chances someone gets. So for that reason, I also think Moneta's out. But like I said, with casting up in the air and them struggling to kind of bring us these, you know, iconic level people that I think the fans are expecting... You know, I just would say with Atlanta, expect the unexpected. But those are my thoughts. That's who I want them to bring back for season 16. You guys will have to let me know. Send me a DM, tweet me, comment on my posts, whatever you want to do. Let me know what do you want to see for Real Housewives of Atlanta season 16. Who do you want back? Who do you want to go? And what other things would you like to see in the season? Like, where would you like to see them vacation? What kind of scenes would you like to see? Do you want to see the women shopping more, more lifestyle, more events, group events? What is it? I would love to know your thoughts. Production is listening. Bravo is listening. So let's put them out there and let's let them know what to do about RHOA season 16.
Caitlyn Jenner is going after the Kardashians again. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this, but earlier this week, Sky dropped the trailer for a new three-part documentary called House of Kardashian. Now, this three-part documentary has no official relationship with the Kardashian family, but other famous former friends of the family did sit down and talk about Kris Jenner and co, and one of those people is Caitlyn Jenner. Now, this documentary series was directed by Katie Hindley and is produced by Fremantle's 72 Films. Now, I blogged about this on tvdeets.com, but I want to share a quote with you. Uh, this is Claire Cameron. She's the executive producer at 72 Films. Here's what she had to say about House of Kardashian. As a filmmaker, you might question what is left to re reveal about the Kardashian-Jenners, arguably one of the most famously overexposed families in Hollywood. Through our interviews with those who have been in the family's orbit since the beginning, we uncover their personal motivations and explore how a changing culture allowed their influence on women and around the world to thrive. Okay. Now, according to Variety, Fremantle is representing global rights, excluding the United States, for this new series, with a source telling the trade outlet that the docuseries is set to be one of the company's, quote, key titles for the upcoming sales period. So, in layman's terms, they basically think House of Kardashian is going to make a bucket of money. Now, like I said, this is a three-part documentary airing on Sky Documentaries in the UK. There hasn't been a US release date or a release date for Canada that I've seen, but these documentaries, they'll pop up, um, you know, really soon in those markets as well. So we'll be able to watch it, but the trailer is out, you guys, and it's so juicy. And like I said, Caitlyn Jenner is going after Kim Kardashian. So let's listen in to the trailer for House of Kardashian. The Kardashians have redefined the American dream. The Kardashian women, they are superior to rich men now. You're kind of in one of two camps. I want to talk about them. Well, they've ruined the world. Oh my God. Anyway, here we go. Chris wanted to be more than just a housewife. Kimberly calculated from the beginning, how do I become famous? The sex tape was a means to an end. It was to create a controversy. What was it like working with your wife? <laughs> Doesn't that sound so good? <laughs> okay. House of Kardashian, three parts, coming October 8th to Sky Documentaries. You'll notice in that trailer, Caitlyn Jenner says something like, Kim, um, calculated fame from an early age. And I just want to say, I recently came back from Florida for a little vacation. I watched three episodes of season two of The Kardashians on the plane because it was maybe one of two shows that was working and maybe because I wanted to. Now, when I watched these episodes, it was really interesting because Bruce Jenner had quite the appearance in these first three episodes. Again, this was season two, so I want to say like 2009 or 10 or something around there. And let's just say like, I'm not sure it was Kim who calculated fame. I think this whole family calculated fame. And looking back at those episodes, Bruce, you certainly calculated fame yourself. And here you are sitting for this documentary, chatting all about it, looking fab, might I add. But we've seen your little journey from Olympian to Kardashian patriarch to Kardashian matriarch to now you just talk about them on various documentaries and talk shows and failed reality projects. Interesting. I am no Kardashian stan, but in terms of entertainment value, they do bring it. So you guys, you know I'll be watching, and I'll probably recap that one for the podcast because I'm sure there's going to be some piping hot tea. Now, in other Kardashians news, they actually dropped the trailer for season four. So they're pumping out these seasons, you guys, but each season is 10 episodes. It's already been renewed all the way through season six, but we are about to get season four on September 28th, and I believe they're still filming. This trailer just came out, so let's listen to the trailer for season four of The Kardashians. Okay. Think people are going to be surprised to see the two of you together? Uh, or like, uh, crickets? 
People think they have us all figured out, but things are not always how they seem. We were Last season was really hard. Oh. I'm not even talking about it anymore. Family is the most important thing in my life. Family time is my favorite time. And it's my responsibility to make sure that I keep my family together. So what is going on with you in your dating life? I just need new vibes. I need people to know that I'm single. I'm the worst single person ever. These are our years, Kendall. I'm 25, you're like 30. I'm 27. You're basically 30. The dynamic is changing. Everyone's lives are going in different directions. I feel like myself again. I feel amazing. So guys, I'm having a baby. Tristan and I were in really sensitive times. I don't think you deserve Chloe. Tristan has been such a hands-on dad. Mom is too nice sometimes. She is. You look so cute today. We're your daughters. You should be, like, fierce for us. You're lying right now. Lying about what? That I've never heard. You're spiraling. I don't deal with people that don't tell the truth. We were already... It's been a lot of tension. It's really hard to watch people talking about you. I don't feel understood. Are you happy? You're a different person. You hate us. We all talk about You're it. You're like adding it into a fight to like have a side. Court and Kim are still going out at stop. Think like you think things, so you're getting riled up. I think things, so I'm getting riled up. You're just a witch. And I hate you. These things are fixable. It's not going to break us down. Love them or hate them, that trailer is why the Kardashians are still the queens of reality TV. That is absolute cinema. In Canada, where I live, the show actually airs on Disney+. Plus, so... Disney, thank you so much. Hulu, thank you so much. You know how to put together a trailer. Now, I think why The Kardashians is still working and still so popular is in part because of these shorter seasons, and Disney gets them on the air or streaming much quicker than like some of the Bravo shows that we watch, for example. So like I said, The Kardashians, Disney, and Hulu had ordered four seasons of 10 episodes each, a few years ago, actually. So this is still a part of their original Hulu deal. And every couple months, they start filming the next new season. So you just get to see things a lot quicker. Like in this trailer, we're obviously getting to see the aftermath of season three. Courtney and Kim are still on awkward terms, yet they're sitting down for an interview. We have that big fight with them at the end with Courtney apparently telling Kim that she's a witch. Um, so I'm interested to see how that actually plays out and whether that's some crafty editing at play or whether that actually legit happened that way. Um, and then we also see in that trailer a lot of Tristan. So Tristan is back, Chloe's ex. It looks like Kris Jenner is team Tristan and everyone else is team what the fuck are you thinking? This guy is horrible. Um, there's just so much going on. And we also see in that trailer Kourtney Kardashian uh, with her big, like, I'm pregnant sign at Travis's Blink-182 uh, concert from a few weeks or months ago back. So, again, all these things happen in real time. We see them on social media, and then, boom, like, the trailer drops, and the new season includes all these moments. So, again, I feel like that's why Disney, hats off to you guys, hats off to Hulu, the Kardashian family. They know how to promote these things. And, again, some of the Bravo shows could take some hints or some points i feel like if we saw the housewives a lot quicker or if we saw a lot of these moments that we read about in the media but then somehow aren't on the show it needs to change because that would definitely get the engagement up now i will say i've watched all of these kardashian seasons on disney and i always say to myself at the end like how did i just watch 10 episodes of nothing <laughs> because like when i tell you this trailer makes it look actually really amazing and it is it just has a much slower pace than you're used to for a lot of shows, and they'll have, like, one issue, and it goes across the entire season. So, last season, it was Courtney and Kim. 
this season. It looks like it's definitely that again, but a little bit more of a Courtney-heavy season as we have her pregnancy news as well. They had a recent health scare, so I'm sure that will be incorporated in. Thankfully, everyone is healthy and happy. The baby's okay. But there's a lot going on, you guys. And it just looks like it's going to be a great season. Like I said, the Kardashians premieres September 28th on Disney Plus and Hulu. And then we'll have House of Kardashian, a three-part documentary series premiering October 8th on Sky Documentaries. I will be watching both. Let me know if you will be too. Now for ratings recap. If you guys are regular listeners to this podcast, you know that you can go to tvdeets.com and get all of your reality TV ratings directly from the website. This is where I upload them as soon as I get these numbers in, so that's always where they're going to be the most up-to-date for shows like Bravo, Real Housewives of Atlanta, New York City, Orange County, Salt Lake City, they're all there, as well as MTV shows like Jersey Shore Family Vacation and Love and Hip Hop Atlanta. I also cover the Love and Marriage franchise on OWN and Basketball Wives and Love and Hip Hop Miami over on VH1. So go to tvdeets.com, hover over reality TV ratings, and again, it's sorted by network and show, and you can get all the latest live numbers for this season and seasons past as well. So again, tvdeets.com, that's where you get the most up-to-date ratings. But you're listening to the podcast, and you're so lucky you get this wonderful ratings recap right now. Starting with The Real Housewives of Atlanta, I mentioned it in my previous RHOA segment, but this week, Reunion Part 2 hit a series high, 0.32 in the person's 18 to 49 demo, and almost 1 million live viewers with 994,000 live viewers. Afterwards, we had The Real Housewives of New York City. This saw a slight uptick to a 0.17 in the demo and 554,000 live viewers. On Tuesday, The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City saw a slight dip to a 0.13 in the demo and 412,000 live viewers. Wednesday's Real Housewives of Orange County was up to a 0.19 in the demo and 707. 797,000 live viewers, so again, an increase for the Real Housewives of Orange County. But the most interesting numbers, you guys, on Bravo are really coming from Project Runway and Below Deck Down Under. Project Runway Season 20, the most recent episode, earned a 0.13 in the demo, and a shockingly high 911,000 live viewers. That was a season high in viewers for them. Below Deck Down Under is airing two new episodes every Monday, killing it in the ratings. This week, episode one had a 0.22 in the demo and 825,000 live viewers, and episode two had a 0.15 and 726,000 live viewers. So again, huge numbers coming out of Project Runway and Below Deck Down Under, something to keep in mind when the Housewives fans go crazy over the Housewives live numbers. Now, we do need to talk about The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City Season 4. I just went over Episode 2, but as we all know, the series uh, returned with Season 4 on September 5th. That episode earned a 0.15 in the demo and 431,000 live viewers, which has to be a disappointment to Bravo, but never fear because NBC Universal is coming through and giving us some Peacock numbers on that RHOSL C premiere. Now, again, this is from NBC Universal. They released this to Deadline, which is a trade publication. And you'll want to listen to this closely. This is what they had to say about the premiere. The September 5th premiere is the most watched Bravo first episode across the entire Real Housewives in the 18 to 49 entertainment demographic. The network is also calling the episode the most-watched Bravo First premiere ever for Peacock in both total viewers and in the entertainment demo in the three-day window. Interesting. Here's another quote from that release. Across all platforms, The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City Season 4 premiere was up 8% in the 18-49 demo and 1% in total viewers compared to the first episode of Season 3. Now, according to a TBD's analysis, Season 3 averaged a 
in the demo and 618,000 live viewers. So even though the live viewership for season four has dropped so low, Bravo is already claiming that season four is outperforming season three. Now, there's some interesting things in this release, and I have some thoughts. So I thought, why not take it to the podcast? And before I begin, it's important to note that obviously I'm a huge Bravo fan. I wouldn't have a reality TV website and a podcast all about Bravo if I didn't love the network. But I love the stats and the facts as well. And I like to bring the receipts on the TV Deeds podcast. So when I talk about the ratings, that's exactly what we're doing. I'm actually enjoying Salt Lake City. I had previewed the premiere ahead of time and I told you guys it was so, so good. And when it aired on September 5th, everyone pretty much seemed to agree. But there is something to be said with the live ratings dropping so, so low, because again, these are series low numbers for Salt Lake City. In this release, it's really interesting because Bravo is using some careful terminology. They're calling it the most watched Bravo first premiere. So what I can understand from that is this episode aired on Bravo and streamed on Peacock the next day, which would make it a Bravo first premiere. Now, if that's the case, that means it does not include series like Below Deck Down Under and The Real Housewives of Miami. Now, I just went over with you what the live ratings are like for Below Deck Down Under, so if the DVR and streaming viewers and Peacock viewers were anything you know similar to that, that show would be massive. It also means, like I said, we can exclude another Peacock original, The Real Housewives of Miami. And I think that's why Bravo is using the term Bravo First Premiere. Now, the other interesting thing is they've started doing these releases. They really got into this during the most recent season of Vanderpump Rules, just because the ratings were through the roof, uh, the live ratings, and then the streaming and Peacock numbers were also through the roof. That was also the first time we saw things like an extended, uncensored version of the reunion on Peacock. So again, they had a real need to share the numbers at that time. And it's important to note, you know, Bravo doesn't typically release these streaming numbers. It's only, in my opinion, when the live ratings come out and they're less than impressive. So for example, with The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City Season 4, when it comes out and it's 400,000 viewers that is not good. Like, Bravo was definitely not happy with those numbers, so I'm not surprised they put together this release. But while the network now likes to tout DBR ratings, the reality is, like, shows like Real Housewives of New York Season 14 and, like I just went over, The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, those shows are bombing in the live ratings, and there is no real way to verify the numbers that are being put out by NBC Universal. Making things more interesting to me is the fact that the network only seems to put out press releases for certain shows and skips other series and their respective DVR and streaming viewers entirely. So for example, Bravo did not release the Peacock viewing numbers for The Real Housewives of Atlanta when season 15 premiered a few months ago, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe we saw Peacock numbers for The Real Housewives of Orange County when it returned a few months ago either. We also haven't seen these numbers for shows like The Real Housewives of Potomac or Married to Medicine. So again, they're very choosy when it comes to releasing these Peacock streaming numbers. So again, I'm not surprised that this release would come out when we saw the headlines for the low live ratings for Salt Lake City. This is what they're going to do. It's not spin necessarily, you guys, but I'm just going to be real with you. Like, they are being crafty with the verbiage. Like I said, choosing the word Bravo first premiere. Um, it's confusing, to say the least. And they're also using what I've never seen before from at least their releases, which is the entertainment demo. So they're not just talking about the person's 18 to 49, but they're talking about an entertainment demo. I don't know if that's just a new way of wording it. I've not seen it referred to that in the past. Um, so again, I'm not sure if that's a new demo that they've come up with, but hey, at the end of the day, people are watching on streaming, so why not share these numbers? It's just interesting, like I said, they skip certain shows like Atlanta and Potomac, but then we've heard, you know, for the New York City reboot, oh, hold up, 1.7 million viewers saw the premiere, and now they're doing the same thing with Salt Lake City. Now, it's interesting, like I just said, with New York and Salt Lake City, this Salt Lake City release doesn't have an actual total number of viewers, they're just talking about percentages, and they want you to go back and look at that season three premiere number. So again, interesting play on words there. Now, 
Obviously, the Housewives fans were excited that Salt Lake City is growing in DVR because it's important to share. Like I said, people are streaming it. We are watching it later. But there was one funny tweet about this that I had to kind of call out. Now, Carlos King, you guys know Carlos, former Real Housewives producer, now head of the Love and Marriage franchise over on OWN, and he has a few other shows as well. But he quote tweeted a page that was talking about the Salt Lake City Peacock numbers, and he said... Now y'all see why I ignore folks who try to drag our ratings when they get posted from live day viewings. No network cares about live same day viewings, but y'all keep arguing about it. So I thought this was interesting because, Carlos, I actually am tracking your Love and Marriage Detroit ratings and I have them up on tvdeets.com and, sir, they are not good. The most recent uh, episode of Detroit, which was part two of the reunion, earned a 0.05 in the demo and just 170,000 live viewers on Saturday, September 9th. This means that their season average with 12 episodes is a 0.03 in the demo and 165,000 live viewers. Now, before you go comparing OWN to Bravo, it is important to note that OWN is available in many less households than Bravo, and it's actually a premium channel, so you actually have to pay to add it on, whereas Bravo is included in most uh, cable packages. So again, there is a little bit of a difference there, but it should be noted that these Love & Marriage Detroit ratings are really bad, they're lower than DC, and quite a bit lower than Huntsville. So no wonder Carlos doesn't want us talking about these ratings, because sir, they suck. (laughs) But... Just keeping it real, you guys, again, no shade on these shows. I watch them all and really, I actually like most of them. But the reality is, is that Bravo and all of these other networks still make most of their money off of linear cable. So that's Bravo Channel as opposed to Peacock. So if you read anything about these streaming services, these companies are spending a lot of money on content, but they're not necessarily getting that return on investment. Peacock loses millions of dollars for NBC every year. Uh, They talk about it all the time. They're not shy about it or sharing those facts. Um... And it should also be noted that two of these shows that we're talking about, The Real Housewives of Miami and Below Deck Down Under, both of these shows are moving back to Bravo. So Below Deck Down Under was actually a Peacock exclusive. It's airing season two on Bravo right now. And The Real Housewives of Miami, which was originally brought back to Peacock as a Peacock exclusive, is also moving to Bravo. So again, if these shows were pulling in like massive, massive viewing numbers on Peacock, you probably would see Bravo keep them there, and if they were making money. Uh, But because they're moving them back to Bravo in the main channel, that does tell me that the revenue stream is still there, and that's why live ratings are important. It's important to the advertisers. So what Carlos is saying is kind of true in that the network does look at live plus three days and live plus seven days, but at the end of the day... As I keep saying on this podcast, live ratings still set the trends and they still give us the patterns and they give us an indication of a show's popularity. So they are relevant. They're just uh, things are just changing and we're just navigating this new world. Now, it should be noted as well with these ratings that I post, the live ratings, these come directly from Nielsen, the company that measures TV ratings. It's an agreed upon system that all the networks have bought into. Now, I do know that a lot of these networks want a new rating system, but that isn't here yet, and we're still working off the Nielsen system. When it comes to streaming numbers, like these Peacock numbers I just went over, those come directly from Peacock, and the streaming services are very choosy when it comes to releasing numbers and viewerships, and every time they do, it's almost a little bit of a different release. So again, no shade to Salt Lake City. I'm loving season four, but I am, you know, pouring a little cold water on this Bravo press release. But you guys, hey, that's why I love talking about this, right? I got into the ratings conversation because I always wanted to know why decisions were made on shows I watch, who's coming back, why aren't, why isn't this person coming back? And the ratings really play into that, and that is a huge factor. So that's why I got into it. I'm going to keep posting them on tvdeets.com, and I will keep talking about them on the podcast here. And again, it doesn't really have anything to do with whether we're enjoying the shows or not. It's just about facts, and you know I like to bring the receipts to the TVDeets podcast. Again, to wrap up the ratings conversation, just go to tvdeets.com, hover over the ratings tab, and you can get all the latest numbers right there.
Now for my final segment, what I'm watching this week, I promised I would come back with something not Bravo and not true crime related, and I, you guys, I did that for you this week. I have been binging Sister Wives. Now, this is a TLC show, it's been around forever, I just looked it up and it first premiered back in 2010, so it's been on for about 18 seasons now, and I have seen a few of the seasons. Back in the day, I was a huge TLC viewer. It was like appointment viewing for me, and I really fell off before like the 90 Day Fiance era, but I thought, you know, I've seen so many good things about Sister Wives that I have to check it out. Last season, which was still kind of like the pandemic season, was like crazy drama, like huge amount of drama, and they just captured me with all these promo clips that they were putting out. Now, with this latest season, season 18, <clears throat> you guys, it is just so good. Obviously, if you've watched Sister Wives, you know the concept, but it's Cody Brown and his polygamist relationship. So he has his first wife, Mary. He had a second wife, uh, Janelle, I believe, the third wife, Christine, and the fourth wife, Robin. And now he's down to just pretty much one. We're watching season 18 and Christine has left. She's out. She's moved on. She is loving not being married to Cody anymore. Janelle is almost there with her. She's too is considering divorcing Cody. Mary basically hasn't had a romantic relationship or any relationship with Cody in years, but is still kind of hanging around. And then Robin, she's the youngest. She is the, you know, has youngest kids with Cody. She's still very much in it and is totally surprised and shocked by the family drama and all of the discord. Now, it's so funny to me because, like I said, I used to watch this back on the day, so I've seen these women like 10 years ago, and now I've just caught up with them again, and honestly, my opinions are still the same. Christine is still an icon, Janelle is still an icon, and Mary and Robin are just flops. Like, I don't know how to help these two women, but they just do not get it. I appreciate, you know, wanting to keep the family together and their love for Cody, but this whole thing is getting crazy. Like, Robin is just sitting there basically saying, like, she doesn't understand why Christine left Cody. And it's like, girl, have you been watching these seasons? Like, this man is not nice. So I binged about four or five episodes. I will be watching it now weekly uh, when it comes out on TLC. But you guys, Sister Wives season 18, that is some fire reality TV. And honestly, Bravo, you could learn a little bit about how to keep things all the way 100% real. So again, Sister Wives, you guys have to let me know. Are you watching? Do you like Sister Wives? What other things on TLC should I watch? Let me know. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of the TV Deets podcast. Brett here. I just want to say thank you so much for listening. I'm really enjoying our one-on-one -on -one time talking about the ratings, all of the drama with all of these shows, and you know, all of the non-Bravo stuff, which is just so fun. There's so much unscripted stuff out there right now, absolutely killing it across the board. So it's a great time to be a reality fan. Anyways, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you do one thing today, share this podcast with someone else, comment on the post, like it. These things really help the podcast get around. But thank you so much, and we will talk next week with another new episode.